If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Last weekend I went back to Idaho for the Idaho Catholic Youth Convention, a big youth gathering of 2,000 high school students, and dynamic speakers, and great music, and it all sort of climaxed at the Saturday night adoration. You may have seen one of these adorations, it's not just the blessed sacrament exposed on the altar, but the priests and deacons and seminarians carry the demonstrance through the crowd, going down up, up and down every row, and being really close to the congregation, the folks in the congregation. And so you can imagine a lot of people have really emotional experiences during these times. Breaking out in tears and reaching out to the monstrance and bowing down in worship. A lot of times people experiencing in a sensible way the love of God and the mercy of God for the first time. Afterwards, and this lasts about an hour and 15 minutes. Afterwards, the gentleman who was leading the conference, he did something that I hadn't seen before. He gave people in the congregation an opportunity to share something about their experience do a little sharing of graces, of what it was like for them to be in this time of adoration. And so people would raise his hand, and this was a big crowd, people would raise their hands, and he would run out into the crowd with a microphone and give them a chance to say, to say what it was like for them. People shared really powerful anecdotes, and one of them really stood out to me, and has really stayed with me. These young men just said, I heard a voice saying to me, I love you, I love you, I love you, over and over and over again. We know that's the voice of the Lord, and we can also say, when the saints and the angels, when they come to us, they minister to us, this is what their voice sounds like. This is what their the content and their message to us sounds like. We can also add, I forgive you, we heard in the song. It is mercy I desire. I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you, over and over and over again. This is what the good spirits say to us. But of course, there are also other voices that we hear when we're alone, when we're with other people, when we're in prayer. We hear voices that don't sound quite just like that. Voices oftentimes of accusation, of self-accusation. I'm bad. I'm a bad student. I'm a bad mother. I'm a bad son. Accusation of others. Blaming. Harsh criticism. Also unforgiveness. If we've been hurt in a serious way, and we see that person who hurt us again, those voices of bitterness and resentment come back to the surface. And sometimes voices of pride, as we heard in this, in this gospel, the Pharisees saying, look how great I am, I pay my tithes, I do everything right, thank, thank goodness I'm not like the other ones who are greedy and dishonest and adulterous. These voices of pride exalting oneself of course, these are the voices of the evil spirits. There is this contrast between the good spirits and the evil spirits that are constantly trying to attract us, to seduce us for their designs. 
Why is this? Why do we live in this situation? I think it's helpful here to just give, to just back up a bit and give a broad overview of what worldview Christianity holds, especially Catholicism holds. You may have heard in Father John Ricardo's programs, he says oftentimes if somebody comes to him for counsel, he listens to them for a while, and then he asks, the first question that he asks them is, can I just take a few minutes to tell you my worldview, to tell you how I see the world, just to make sure we're on the same page about how we see the world. This is really important, he says. So I'm just going to do that. I'm going to take a few minutes to just describe, and this, this is going to be a review for most or all of you, so just a few minutes to describe the worldview of Christianity, the biblical worldview how it is that God has revealed to us the world to be. Well, of course, it starts with God himself, God who is love. God created everything out of love and for love. That's why there is something rather than nothing. God created the planets, the stars, the oceans, the birds in the air, the fish in the sea, the creatures crawling on the earth. God created all of this for love. And then, of course, He created us, the pinnacle of His creation. And He did so in a special way with us. He gave us an intellect. He gave us a soul. He gave us the ability to be self-reflective. He created us in His image and likeness. This is crucial for our understanding of the world, that we are different from the animals, and no surprise here, but it's a really important point. The animals, they're praising God, they're loving God in their own way, but it's a limited, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a love to a very limited degree because they're not free to love God. They're not free to not love God, if you think about it that way. They don't have an option. They, they don't wake up in the morning and say, am I going to love God or not love God today? The cows, the dogs, the trees. They just go on about their business and they live according to their nature. And in doing so, they're worshiping God and giving glory to God. But they're not choosing to do that. They're not having to discern these things and make their choices. We, however, have that choice. We wake up every day, and we go through our day, and every moment of every day we have a choice. Am I going to love God, or am I, or am I going to not love God? That makes us incredibly different, and that makes us free to love. That's the point. We have this soul, we have this ability to make these decisions, and therefore we're free to love God. Here's a little, a little analogy. If a man proposes to a woman, but he does so by forcing her and says, will you love me? Will you marry me? And he maybe holds a weapon to her and she says, yes. Is that really love? She's not free to do that. So she's not really giving herself. So she's being coerced into that. God loves us too much to force us. He first gives us the ability, and then He gives us the freedom. We can choose whether we're going to love Him or not as we go about our days and as we go about our lives. We're fully free, and therefore our love can be perfect and be free to be love, love itself. 
Okay, maybe that was too much on that point, but that's crucial for the Christian life and crucial for the discernment of spirits, as we'll see soon. Okay, but that's how God created us, but what happened before that? So let's push pause on the story of humanity for a moment and go back to the angels. Because before God created the material world, He created the angels, the spiritual beings. And He, in a sense, He did the same thing with them. He gave them a choice. But it was different because it was only a one-time choice. After they were created, they would choose to love God, and then that decision would be fixed. They would love God for the rest of their existence. Or they would choose to not love God, and that would too would be fixed. They wouldn't have an opportunity to repent. They would love God for the rest of their they would not love God for the rest of their existence. Well, most angels chose, yes, to love God. But some didn't. And the first one was so intelligent. His, his intelligence was, was so exalted. He belonged to the highest choir, the highest rank of angels. And he realized that he could, in a sense, be his own God. And so he said, no, I will not love God. I will not serve God. Non-servium. I will not serve. So he fell. And he took with him a legion, perhaps a third of the angels he took with him, and took, took them into hell. Okay, fast forwarding back to our story of humanity. When men and women, when Adam and Eve were first created, they were there in the garden, in perfect communion with God, hearing from God perpetually, I love you, I love you, I love you, over and over and over again. But then, those angels came to them, those fallen angels came to them in the form of a serpent and said to them, you know, you don't need to serve God. You don't need to love God. You too can be your own God. And they fell for it. They believed the enemy's tricks, the fallen angels' tricks. So they went about trying to be their own God, trying to make their own decisions. God came to them, offered them an opportunity of repentance, and now they live in this struggle of, I'm free. I can choose to hear the voice of God, the voice that's saying to me, I love you, I love you, I love you, over and over and over again. I forgive you for everything you've done. I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you. You can live in this freedom. But then again, the evil spirits, the fallen angels also coming to them and perpetually trying to convince them, no, that's not true. That's not really true. That's not really a good God. God is just oppressive. God is just trying to trick you to be his little minions, to be his servants. Don't listen to God. Listen to me. And if you listen to me, you can be your own God. So that was going on with Adam and Eve. And that has been going on from generation to generation to generation to generation. All the way down to me and you. 
So this is the biblical worldview. This is the Christian worldview. This is the Catholic worldview. We live in a state where God, the Creator, all-powerful, and His angels, His good spirits, are one who can draw us to Him. Draw us by love. Always preserving our freedom, never imposing, attracting us, and presenting us thoughts, presenting us ideas, bringing us people and resources to come together and do this together. This is what God and the good spirits are doing, so that we can live within, living communion within, here on earth, and then we can die, and God willing, go to heaven, and be with Him in heaven for all of eternity. That's God's plan. And we're also in this position where the evil spirits are perpetually trying to do the opposite. They're perpetually trying to insert doubt into this message, I love you. Perpetually trying to tell us, no, your sins are too big. They're too great. You have failed too much. No, you shouldn't forgive that person. What they did to you was too great. No, you don't deserve God's love. You don't deserve it. No, it's not good for you to live with God and communion with God. Perpetually presenting these bad thoughts, these bad ideas. These are the evil spirits. So that's what we're going to unpack this morning in our retreat. Everyone is invited to the parish hall. We'll have breakfast, coffee, and unpack these in more depth. And there's a simple three-legged stool. If you can remember this, it's going to make a big difference. The first is be aware. Recognizing if I'm having this really this, this self-destructive thought, this negative thought, just becoming aware. Well, wow, that's what I'm thinking right now. I'm thinking that I'm a terrible person. Or if I'm thinking that I'm a beloved son of God, a beloved daughter of God, becoming aware of that. Wow, I am loved. I'm hearing God say to me, I love you, I love you, I love you, over and over and over again. Becoming aware. Then understanding, that's the second step. Now these examples that I gave are making really clear, really easy to see which ones are from the good spirits and which ones are from the evil spirits. But oftentimes they're not so easy. Padre Pio said, the devil is cunning. He's clever. He's a trickster. So they're not so easy oftentimes. So that second step is not so clear often. It takes a little bit more work. And that's what the rules for discernment of spirits are for. The principles for discernment of spirits. So becoming aware, understanding. And now once I understand, okay, yeah, this is a thought from the good spirit. Then take action. I accept this thought. Yes, this is who I am. I am a beloved son of God. Or, when I understand a thought to be of the evil spirit, I reject it. No, I am not too, too bad, too sinful. No, my past is not too strong. No, I am not full of shame. 
These are thoughts from the evil spirits. Now I understand that, I reject them. So be aware, understand, take action. Either accept or reject. And the purpose of all this, and I'll conclude here, the purpose of all of this is to be living in freedom, to be living in God's love, in God's mercy. Not just as an intellectual exercise, not just to be able to articulate these things and say them out loud, but to really live it, to really know that to be true, through and through, to be swimming in God's love, swimming in God's mercy, and in doing so being able to share it with others, whether in a formal way, like in the sacrament of confession, when the priest, Mother Luan, or any priest hears the sacrament, hears our confessions, and says to you, says to us, I absolve you. But also just in our relationships with one another. To be free, to not to not be living out of this place of bitterness and resentment and bondage. To be set free. Set setting captives free. That's a key phrase that's used in this context of discerning spirits. That's what it's for, to set captives free. We're captives by the prince of this world, the enemy, but God wants to set us free. That's what he desires for us. Free so that we can hear fully day in and day out. I love you, I love you, I love you. Over and over and over again.